right, good morning folks. We're ready to go ahead and get started for our uh, class on Scientology. Just a second, we'll uh, get those lights. We're going to start our class on Scientology, and uh, so first we're, first we're going to watch the DVD, which is part of our series on world religions, uh, and, yeah, that's okay, uh, and uh, Dr. Um, uh, Paul Meyer has uh, been leading this series. Um, afterwards, we'll have some time for discussion. I think many of you have probably watched a few documentaries. There's a lot of them out there about Scientology. People have uh, been very interested in, uh, in this particular religion. And so we'll, let's take a look at it. We'll take a look at it from the perspective that, uh, that Dr. Meyer gives us. I just have to switch my uh, machinery around here for just a second. segment we continue to talk about the made in America religious systems and I don't know why we have this outburst of creativity uh, on this side of the Atlantic but we do evidently when it comes to matters religious now you know I don't mind a union label that says made in America or whatever else that's fine but when it comes to religion, I'm sorry, that's a little bit too young for me in terms of any authoritative background and what do we have for God's people in the meantime until the discovery comes by some guru, some religious confidence man, or somebody who sincerely believes in his own revelation. Uh, I'm sorry, that doesn't convince me. And by the way, I think we ought to get this very clear very early on, or at least toward the end of this series. And that is, don't ever put your trust in the revelation claimed by one religious founder. What if that one founder is wrong? And as far as I'm concerned, and as far as the evidence compels me to say, they have all been wrong so far. Whether it's man or woman, one, here's how it usually goes. One founder claims direct revelation, claims a vision, or claims a new insight that he's discovered in scripture, and then a cult follows, or even a church body follows, if the cult develops into some sort of denomination or offshoot. Now again, you may oppose that by saying, well, hold it. Christianity was founded by one man, Jesus Christ. Wrong! Christianity had many founders. Our faith is based on the patriarchs and prophets in the Old Testament that are making predictions that are magnificently fulfilled hundreds of years later in the New Testament, like Isaiah 700 years before Christ, 
almost gives us a blow-by-blow blow on what happened on Good Friday. Uh, we have in the New Testament the fulfillment of those prophecies by the patriarchs and the prophets in the Old Testament, uh, in the apostles and the evangelists and the other witnesses of the early church and in the greatest revelation of all in Jesus Christ himself. But that's a group I can trust. That's a cloud of witnesses. Look at what's happened in most of the other religious systems we've talked about today. One founder. Don't ever hazard your spiritual future and put it in the hands of one man. And you, you can't believe directly. You've got to believe that his revelation is right. Dangerous. Illogical. And in fact, even irrational. Uh, so th this is the point that underlies so many of the other world religious systems we talked about today. Always one founder. How do you know that person may either be dishonest in terms of founding a faith in which he's exalted, or may sincerely believe his own vision? People have trances and visions that are not exactly actual. They think they're seeing things. And I, you know, I don't know how to handle that. But indeed, this is the underlying lowest common denominator of all the made in America religious systems that I have seen so far. Last time we talked about Mormonism. And if there were only one point of tangency out there that would confirm anything in the Book of Mormon, uh, then I might give it some credence. But there's nothing. Now, to be sure, the defender of Mormonism will bend over backwards by showing cave paintings or so from the Incas or the Aztecs. And again, they will try to show how this is a, some symbol from the Old Testament. To me, it looks like a Rorschach test. You know, what you want to see in there, you'll find in there. You know, very much like the discovery of Noah's Ark. Everybody has a different view on what it is or what it might be, depending on what they see on the mountains of Ararat. And so many of these are kind of wish fulfillment of their own imaginations. And this is so common in these made in America religious systems. Now, when we talk about the cults, and boy, do we have them around today, huh? All over the place. We are talking almost about a sub-denomination, a sub-religious system. You go from sect to cult to denomination to mainline religion, they, they go up in scales. And some say cults are simply proto-religious denominations in the making. I don't really believe that. Uh, cults are always characterized by a founder with charisma who can uh, influence people because of his polished presentation or his glib tongue or his claim revelation. And again, people are naive. They'll, they'll believe what this fellow claims he has seen. And people are maybe you know, waiting for the truth and they haven't found it yet. And the other point is you do need the gullibility and the naivete of a lot of people. And especially those who have problems of some kind that haven't been addressed by the local clergyman, by the church or whatever. And these problems are festering. And they may have a gripe against the denomination anyway. Maybe they had an unusually conservative upbringing or a very rigid upbringing, and now they are in full-scale revolt against that upbringing. Some of the most prominent critics 
in the Christian church today, and they still call themselves Christians, I don't know why, but some of the most prominent critics either had a super conservative Protestant upbringing or Roman Catholic upbringing, and are now rebelling against it. Uh, we've all heard of Bart Ehrman. You can't put on a TV show lately without Bart Ehrman talking about how our Bible is no longer reliable, misquoting Jesus, and all the differences in the transmission of Scripture over does it ad nauseum, does Bart Ehrman. But every TV show lately has that Bart Ehrman on where he tries to torpedo the faith. Well, he was originally uh, brought up in a fundamentalist Protestant background. And he's rebelling against that. And so you often find a, a leader who's in rebellion or somebody who wants to make a fast buck. There aren't many of those. I'll give you one illustration before this is over. And you have to have gullible people also uh, who are ready for something different, who want some kind of affirmation. And if the climate's just right, and if this guy's a good enough talker or whatever, suddenly they may get the vision also, or at least the conviction that what this founding cult leader is saying is right. And indeed, we have so many alternative religious systems today, some Christian, some totally anti-Christian or non-Christian. It, it seems as though there's a religious center in our brain that if it isn't satisfied, that the itch goes on, and, and they're going to find something else to fill that void which has been created for them either by, them, either by themselves or bad teaching or by the incredible claims of a, a denomination. There's a void there. They still got to believe in something. And now the cult leader comes along and gives them the truth. And boy, do they then run with it. And I think that's how the cults do get started and do get on their merry way. Uh, I myself sometimes think I come from a different planet because I could never follow anybody doing that. But I may have come from a different planet, I don't know. I'm just different in that respect. I'm far more skeptical. I'm a kind of strange bird anyway. Thomas is my favorite apostle. Does that tell you something? Shows you how screwed up I am, huh? I mean, I, I'm from Missouri. I don't mean the Senate. I mean the license plate slogan, show me, the show me state, show me and then I'll believe. And for that reason, uh, boy, there's got to be background to it, not just a claim. I know faith is beautiful, and faith alone saves us, but I'm trying to point out faith, our faith is based on fact, not blind chance, turning off our brain, closing our eyes, holding our nose, and jumping into a void simply on the basis of faith alone. That's not what Luther's talking about. That's not what St. Paul's talking about when he talks about justification, being made righteous by God in faith. But it is blind, dumb faith, which in the part of gullible people will lead them into these cults. They no longer can worship God. Some in the New Age worship vectors of force, pyramid power, or go to Sedona, Arizona, and sit just right between the rocks and get the vectors of force homing in on you. And you'll get brighter, live longer, and make money in the process. Uh, 
uh, in Arizona again. Who is this creep who got his followers to pay, what, $12,000 a piece so they could go to this medicine lodge or whatever it was? Three of them died as a result of the ultra heat inside that place? You know, what's happened to human, the human race? Does anybody on the intelligence left and who would follow these cults, I don't understand it. And it, you know, if only what they were peddling would have some degree of intelligence behind it, some evidence behind it, then I would give them a hearing. But when it's just these naked claims about pyramid power, vectors of force, and the blind following again, like the group, benighted group, supporting the claims of the Rajneesh up in Oregon. Uh, of course, that's an old story now, but how pathetic is that? Uh, you know, for anybody but Mercedes-Benz selling them the 50 uh, limousines. And so we have, of course, the New Age people talking about either Native American spirituality or medicine wheels or uh, rock power or crystals, or channeling instead of prayer, or whatever Shirley MacLaine may be lecturing about lately. You know, it's pathetic. You go into a bookstore, you may not even find a section on Christianity, but you will find the New Age. There's so much literature on the New Age, always. New Age, I'd say old age, in terms of this kind of, ever since Gnosticism in the second century, you've had alternatives to Christianity come along, which are preaching a foreign gospel and not the gospel at all by any means. So this happens so often today. How did the Moonies ever get going? So you have a Korean, Sun Young Moon, who comes over to this country and makes it far bigger here than in Korea. Maybe a reason for that. Korea is converting to Christianity like wild. You know, uh, beginning in 1900, there were 5% of Korea was Christian. Now it's 35 to 40%. Uh, and maybe that's the reason you want to go to some other place like ours. Comes over here, and the Moonies then sell her flowers because Sun Young Moon claims to be God's special representative. He's on the verge of declaring himself the returned Messiah himself. Uh, and then what is his, what are his ethics, his practice? Look at his marvelous prenuptial preparation of couples to get married. He has these mass weddings of 10,000 couples in the great arena who met each other 24 hours before and are now marrying under his guidance. I, where else did I come from? It can't be Earth. I mean, people thinking like this. And yet, there's this absolute subjection to the authority of the leader with charisma happens so often. How could there be a supposedly Christian pastor named Jim Jones who will lead a congregation from San Francisco to Guyana in South America? And I first of all can't understand why they'd follow him, but they mostly did. And then what I cannot understand until the day I die is why so many people will then, like so many lemmings, go over the cliff with him and lie down and poison themselves with purple cyanide-laced Kool-Aid. 
Now, a few normal people had to be shot, you recall. They were the normal ones. Do you remember the solar cult in Switzerland? Anybody remember a counterpart in Montreal? Everybody winds up dead on the floor. I need to tell you about Waco, Texas. Or how about Rancho Santa Fe in California? Or the guy's name was Marshall Applewhite, who now is appealing to join his cult because the end of the world is coming fast. And the only way to escape is to get on board the Hale Bop Comet. Hello. Anybody up there in his cranium? Now, I admit, I kind of like the Hale-Bopp Comet because you can actually see it for once. You know, all these other comets and even Halley's, nobody sees them except without a telescope. This one you could see. But again, I don't think I'm going to get a ride on it <laughs> by any religious system. And yet, what, 28 or 29 guys put on white gym shoes and uh, lie down and poison themselves in order to get a ride on that comet. Hello, I don't know how I ever got on his mailing list, but I got one of his videos. He invited me on board too. I don't know how he got my name. He, he did own a, a bookstore in Austin, Texas, so maybe he got on one of my books. I don't know, but my goodness. I was, I was spooked out just looking at that video in which he was pleading, the world is ending, please join our group. And I, 29 did, and I, I don't know how this can happen. Paul predicted it. St. Paul's advice to Timothy, where he says, in the latter days, people with itching ears will seek unto themselves teachers after their own liking, and they will leave the truth and wander off into myths. Is that ever being fulfilled in our generation, under our noses, before our eyes? Yeah. It's happening all over the place. Uh, what about Scientology? Boy, this one, you've got to walk on eggshells because, oh, they love to sue you. Oh, that's their method. That litigation is their gospel. Uh, you know, if there's, if there's a Scientologist in this room, I'll be sued, you know, before the day is over. But I simply have to tell the truth. It was founded in 1980 by L. Ron Hubbard, a science fiction author. L. Ron Hubbard has sold a lot more millions of books than I have, believe me, so you're going to think it's professional jealousy, I know. But the fact of the matter is, he says, I'm going to invent a religious system that will make money for me. How can anybody then believe it? Including Mrs. L. Ron Hubbard. How can they believe it? including the sofa-jumping Tom Cruise and Kirstie Alley and Greta Van Susteren and John Travolta and the names they try to get. What a crew. Uh, in Florida, if you live in Clearwater, Florida, you know what can happen where they've virtually taken over the town and they build these glorious structures. And it's only the town newspaper there that is really independent and trying to criticize them. But that group, 
they, their numbers, uh, first of all, they call themselves a church. The IRS should never have given them that designation because they are a cult. Uh, Germany, France, and Britain are too bright to call them churches. They won't give them that religious exemption, but we did. And uh, you have here a totally synthesized religious system which has no holy book except Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard, which is not the holy scriptures. Uh, you have no archaeological evidence, no historical evidence, no, his no history at all until this is founded. By, it was really about 1955 it was first founded. In 1980, uh, the Dianetics book was published. And here you have gobbledygook brought in that's supposed to impress you. The human race, years and years ago, uh, was invaded by extraterrestrials uh, who pro planted engrams, they're called. These are evil no-nos in your mind. And the only way you can get rid of these is by auditing sessions with a specialist who's able to now bring back these painful memories so that you can bury them once and for all and reduce those engrams, as they're called. And confirmation day is when they finally pronounce you clear. Now you're clear. Now you have graduated. And it's only cost you minimum fifty or $60,000 because all these curing sessions are expensive. And what do you know, they're even more expensive for wealthy people. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and yeah, he was true to his own claim. I'm going to found a religion that makes money for me. And so it's a tragedy that so many people are then believing something like this. Oh, they may claim a worldwide membership, what is it lately, of six or seven million people. Take any of those claims with a big grain of salt. Uh, again, we, uh, we don't have public records on them. They do hit the media very often, as often as they can. Uh, they claim to be such a, a very scientific way of looking at reality. There's nothing to do here with the Christian gospel. There's nothing to do here with the true God. It's all a personal way of self-improvement, by which I can go to these engrams and then have a clear life as a result. Uh, the scandals that take place inside the organization in terms of use of funds, people have been brainwashed, some even not given proper medical attention, deaths have resulted, countersuits to the cult, and in other words, all the nasty aspects of a cult that you hate to talk about or even think about are present there in Scientology. Uh, this is only symptomatic then of what is happening today. It's a time in which every man for himself, evidently, every woman for herself, take what you like from the mainstream, cafeteria Christianity, we call it. Denominational loyalties are plummeting. Instead, every man for himself, it reminds of the, one of the passages in the Old Testament, every man now sought to do his own thing. Was that Joshua or something? Uh, and it's a topsy-turvy time. There's no question about it. And in many ways, we kind of need another reformation to get Christianity back to its roots and moorings, to have people courageous enough to say there was a creator God. And interestingly enough, 
There is now, even as we speak, far more ammunition that God has given us than ever before in terms of the findings of archaeology. And even from the side of science, we're getting far and far more information than ever before on, what do you know? Genesis may be right after all. Because they have now demonstrated that the universe is linear. It's not oscillating. Uh, the, the, the materialists who say they're never, they're not as, there's not a God and everything is eternal, don't, don't try to explain it. And the universe proceeds along with a big bang and a big implosion and a big bang and a big implosion, you know, millennia later, uh, millions of years later, and this becomes kind of an accordion deal. Well, I never believed that in the first place, didn't know how he could handle that. And indeed, on the Big Eye in Mount Palomar in California, they demonstrated that this is wrong. The Big Bang, by the way, is our favorite friend. Don't knock the Big Bang. It accords beautifully with Genesis. It proves that the universe is linear. It had an alpha, it's going to an omega. It is in a line. There is such a thing as God's time. And it'll arrive again at the end of it all. And that is the Christian view. Whereas these other materialist accordionists are playing uh, to the void. So it's a great time to be alive. Matter of fact, Robert Jastrow, one of the great NASA physicists, pointed out that after all the centuries of science, they finally climbed the mountain of human knowledge only to see a band of theologians sitting up there in the first place. <laughs> Next segment, we're going to talk about what should Christians finally do amid this welter of alternate competitive religious systems. Uh, Pat, you want to get those lights? Thank you. All right. Uh, We'll get the lights back on and kind of review and summarize some of these things. I, I, I forgot to tell you, there is, is Scientology was the main thing, but there were a bunch of others. And they're all related uh, with one another, as you can tell. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, too, today was, what's the attraction to these uh, kinds of religions and beliefs and practices? We'll talk about that a little bit. I'd like to get your thoughts and, uh, and opinions about that. Uh, but first of all, to go, to go over Scientology just a little bit more, a little bit more detail. Uh, uh, first of all, and maybe, any, how many of you have been, done any reading, documentaries, uh, particular interest in Scientology? Anybody? All right, a few of you, okay. Uh, hey, maybe Mark, did you write a book about it or anything? I did write a, a few studies about it, and one of the weird ones, uh, the Scientology sends us their quarterly magazine at CPH. At CPH. And it comes addressed to me, which concerns me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, fill in, fill in some of the gaps here as, as we go back over this a little bit. So L. Ron Hubbard uh, had a, he was, he was an officer in the Navy. And um, that's when uh, something started in his life after that that I think is significant. He, he, he lied about things that happened to him in, the, in his military service. It, it, was, uh, it was kind of, I mean, he, was, he did some things that, uh, like a, one particular island he bombed or something, he, and it got him into big trouble. And um, 
Some think that it's partly out of that that, that uh, maybe uh, some of this developed, like PTSD a little bit or something along those lines. But anyway, after he, uh, after he served, then, so you know, anybody that serves as an officer in the Navy, they, they, they got to have a few gifts upstairs, you know. Uh, they don't just let anybody uh, wear their, uh, you know, their bars and stuff like that. So uh, then he became a, a pulp fiction writer. And he wrote, and he was, I think, probably paid by the word there. So this was, this was a popular thing in the 1950s. Uh, one magazine he wrote for was uh, also would feature articles and stories by Isaac Asimov. So that, that's pretty, you know, pretty uh, high level science, science fiction type things. And he, you know, he was, he was making, uh, making a living uh, doing that. But just as uh, Dr. Meyer said, he, he kind of reached a point where he wanted to take a leap into um, a higher orbit, you might say. And he really did. So he took a lot of these ideas that he had. You can find them if, you go, if people have gone back and researched his fiction writings. And he talked about some of these things in those stories. Uh, and you can find some of those uh, buried there in those stories. Uh, I would say that Scientology uh, rests on sort of, I would say, kind of three, if I want to try to break it down and try to remember the three basic things about Scientology, I would say the first thing is they help, they claim to help people, and, and maybe in some ways they actually do help a few people at this very elementary level. They help people with um, <coughs> two things, painful memories, and also a lot of insecurity, lack of confidence type of issues. Uh, I'll give you some examples of that. I mean, people, there are a lot of people that struggle with painful memories. Have you ever had something that you just can't stop thinking about, something that kind of paralyzes your brain, and um, this, you know, these kinds of things? It's very uh, hard and, and, and in the Christian church, we have a response to that, a beautiful response, and that's called individual confession and absolution. Uh, this is where we go to deal with our painful memories, uh, whatever they may be. We go to the cross. We go to repentance and forgiveness, and we just keep going over that over and over and over again as long as needed. Uh, I'll give you a little story that I always tell in my uh, eighth grade Bible class. It's a true story. Uh, man uh, had a son, and I think he was 11 years old. They were on a lake in a motorboat, and he, uh, they thought it would be fun to see how fast they could get this boat to circle around. And they got it going real fast, and it was going in circles, and the boy f falls out of the boat, and then the boat comes back around, and and he hits his son, kills him. And, you know, th this is something, I remember uh, my vicarage supervisor told me this story, and he said, you know, for the rest of his life, that man is going to have to repeatedly go to the pastor for sessions, right, right? These are our sessions. It's called confession and absolution. 
And so that's the first thing about Scientology is I think they have, uh, they have they, they're creating a kind of um, a synthetic maybe uh, approach toward confession and absolution. Uh, they are saying, let's look at your painful memories. This was Freud's psychology too, was a lot of it. Uh, you know, going back, uh, looking at your painful memories, they call them engrams, and they have this little meter. You hold two metal uh, tubes, and it's, you know, testing your electro conductivity in your body, and, and, uh, and they, they claim, you know, that you're, you're getting a hold of your, your painful memories, and you're releasing them, you know, or whatever, getting rid of them. And then finally you get to that, and this would be, I think, the second stage of Scientology is that level they call clearing, clearing, you know. And, and so in this stage is where I think most of the people find Scientology to be helpful for them. I w I'm watching right now the documentary on HBO, and I, I cautiously recommend it. I mean, it's got some lot of foul language and stuff as they interview these different people. You've got to have to filter that out. But uh, uh, John Travolta, uh, he was one of their first big-time guys. And he got into Scientology before. He was just a barely starting out as an actor. He, he was doing commercials. One of his commercials that first got a little traction was a Band-Aid commercial. <laughs> and, and so he goes to Scientology, and he claims that Scientology just totally gave him confidence. You know? And, I, you know, actors have this problem. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but why is it that so many what I would call beautiful people I mean, really, they've got gifts that I don't have, you know, in terms of their, their outward appearance and their, you know, their personality and their voice. And, and yet these can be some of the most insecure people in the world. They, they think they're ugly. They, they think they're worthless. Uh, they, well, I don't know what it is. Um, and it amazes me because then I'll see other people that have nothing in terms of good looks or whatever, and they're like the most confident people in the world, you know, they can walk into any room and, you know, you could say something, they could laugh at them and they wouldn't care. You know, they're just going to go right on. But these actors, you know, one person says something to them that, and they just are crushed, you know, and collapse. And this is what Travolta said launched his career, was that, that Scientology gave him confidence. And then he, then he started doing movies and, well, his first big television show was, who remembers? Welcome, Welcome back, back, Cotter. Yeah, and that, he claims, you know, he got that audition because of Scientology. It just, it gave him confidence. I can do this, you know? I can walk in here and I can be a star, you know? That is attractive to people, and people will spend money to get that. And uh, so that's kind of the attraction of, of it all. And, and then this idea of clearing, you kind of arrive at this stage where you do have control of your, uh, your uh, bad thoughts and your insecurities and all those types of things. As you move on to the last levels, though, that's where things start to really go crazy. I'll just give you, he mentioned a little bit of it, 
I'll, I'll fill that out just a little bit more. And this has to do with Hubbard's uh, doctrine of creation. I'll tell you what, if you don't get the doctrine of creation right, you're not going to get anything right. That's so important. That's why it is the first article of the creed, right? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Well, Hubbard has this idea about creation. It goes something like this. So trillions of years ago, the world was created. And actually, he says, back then, the world looked a lot like it did in the 1950s. He says they wore the same kind of clothes, they drove the same kind of cars, and, and that's the way the world was. And then, um, uh, how's it go now? I gotta get, get this straight. They, somebody, I don't know if aliens came in or something, but they, they, they froze all the people. They froze them. Uh, they gave them an injection of glycol into their hearts or something that uh, made them go into a coma or something. They put them in boxes. They put them in these big airplanes, and his, and he knows the name. It, it was a Boeing something like that, you know, you know. And they they flew all the human beings, right? And this is like trillions of years ago, and they dropped them into volcanoes. <laughs> and then they and they dropped hydrogen bombs on top of the volcanoes to obliterate their bodies. Well, all these soul, the souls of these people then, they're called thetons. See, this is this crazy sci-fi stuff. And now the problem is that these thetons, these are like souls of these people that lived trillions of years ago, got dropped into volcanoes and annihilated with hydrogen bombs, these thetons are floating around, and every time a baby is born, a thetan will try to get inside that baby, and sometimes multiple thetons will get inside the baby. And now this is your problem. First you had engrams, painful memories, but now you've got thetons, <laughs> and you've got to deal with those. And this is where a lot of the, the higher level Scientology people start peeling away. You know, this is when they like, the one guy on the interview on HBO was really funny. He said, when, when I got to this level and I began reading this, my first thought was, this is a test. They, they want to test me because if, if, if I believe this, they're going to kick me out. Right? He thinks, you know, they presented me with something that's obviously insane. Uh, and they want me to, they want to see if I can recognize insanity or not. That's a, and then, it, then he realized, no, they believe this stuff. They actually believe all of this. And so this is where a lot of people start leaving um, Scientology. And as he said, then, then Hubbard died. He died of a stroke. And... Uh, there was a power struggle uh, after that, but they have, uh, you know, one guy uh, was able to take over, and he's carrying it forward, and he is right. He uses all sorts of legal tools to sue people, to, uh, to prevent any negative uh, reporting on Scientology and things like that. I'm going to stop there with my thoughts on Scientology. Anybody else? Because I know some of you, Mark, have you anything else you'd add to that? I just, I, I, 
fun, bizarre fact. Um, Scientologists teach that you are a thetan, uh, which is a spiritual being that has no beginning or end. Mm -hmm. So essentially you're God, um, is what they're trying to say you are. And you can keep coming back as other things after you, after your physical body dies. You have the ability to come back. So at every Scientology center around the world, um, there is an office waiting for L. Ron Hubbard to reappear. Okay, so yeah. If he, you know, if it should happen to just pop back into Earth again, uh, in, in China somewhere, he can go have his office there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of you may know Leo Remini, who was an um, actress, was on King of Queens, other shows like that. She was actually raised as a child in the Scientology Church. I didn't know that. She yeah. now spends her life, when she left the church, caused this huge controversy. They tried to, basically tried to assassinate her uh, because she was going to start telling the truth. And now she has, a, has done a documentary and a, has a regular podcast that spends her life as, it, it, uh, it's called Scientology Fair Target. And she targets them and uses everything, all of the information she has and other folks who have left Scientology to start telling the truth about the cult. So that, just to summarize for, for the listeners on the telephone, uh, Mark was telling us about, let's see, if I'm pronouncing it, Leah Rem Remy? Is I'm pronouncing her right? I know, I know who she. Yeah, and she was raised as a child in this. Wow, that would be bizarre. Uh, uh, but like a lot of people, I wonder though if she would say anything about these teachings helping her become an actress. Uh, that would be interesting. I wonder if she says anything about that because, like I said, at the early elementary levels. It seems to be a confidence builder type of uh, type of religion. So that 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 is a, that is an interesting thing. Yeah, uh, Terry. We saw her documentaries, and they're okay. very good. Okay. And she does talk about. In fact, it shows a clip of her when she's starting out as an actress, and all the wonderful things that Scientology has done for her, and how Scientology is helping save the world. Right, that's, yeah, Terry says that is one of their big themes is most of the people that start on Scientology, yeah, they, they, they like the idea this is going to help me in my confidence and things like that, but also this idea that we're going to save the world, right? She yeah. also has a, a, a co-host that was uh, one in the elite circle and did some of the enforcing Okay. And they talk about that. So it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. So go back and watch some of these documentaries. It's, it's, uh, it's worth it. I think it's worth an investigation of this religion. And so let's come back now to all of those introductory things that Dr. Meyer was talking about. These, he mentioned several other cult -like, cults like Moonies. I don't hear so much about the Moonies anymore. I guess they're probably still out there. But I noted these three things. Again, this is kind of sort of my thoughts about, again, why are people attracted to things like this? Uh, one, charismatic leaders. Um, and this was something that we talked about last week, too, how uh, just because somebody's enthusiastic about something uh, doesn't make what they're trying to promote, right. Remember Dr. Meyer's inverse law? Uh, the more enthusiastic they are, 
probably the less truthful it is. Uh, I thought that was an interesting thing. And so we, we have to think about uh, charismatic leaders. This is sort of a funny thing that we've kid about a little bit in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod was uh, uh, founded by a guy by the name of C.F.W. Walther, uh, not uh, related to me. But uh, if you look at Walther's picture, <laughs> you, will, you will say, this is not a beautiful, charismatic, <laughs> leader-type guy. Uh, I always say, boy, he had to be preaching the gospel uh, because he did not have any physical uh, attractiveness uh, to him uh, at all. Uh, so we have to be careful about that. I think the other things he pointed out, though, you know, wh what makes some people gullible? Um, uh, I, I think about this a lot because uh, I, you know, we all, we've all been lied to in different ways. And it always surprises me that liars think they're so powerful. You know, I, I really pulled one over on you. You know, I got you to believe this lie. And, uh, but, but you can't live your life always doubting everything. And, 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 and I think this is why, I, I really think this is why one of God's harshest judgments does fall down upon deceivers uh, because they manipulate the trust of other people. So when we think about being gullible, it, it's sort of this sad thing because I don't think we need to become... So we got these. We got a tension here. We can be gullible or we can be cynical. Now which one do you want to be? You, know, you need to avoid both of those extremes. You can't be living your whole life because there you get paranoia, right? And I've met people like that. They, I'll never forget when I moved to, uh, we were in St. Louis at the seminary, and we moved uh, down to a, an apartment on, on uh, uh, Potomac uh, by, by Concordia Publishing House. And the landlady, my goodness, she was the most suspicious lady I have ever met, you know, and, and constantly... Uh, she thought we were evil people, um, and I uh, was like, what's wrong? I figured she must have been wounded or something somewhere in her life that made her so, so paranoid. So you can be paranoid on the one hand and not trust anybody, or you can be gullible on the other extreme. We've got to avoid those two extremes, don't we? But... Uh, gullible people, and I feel sorry for people because they are trusting, they, they trust somebody, they think this person is uh, um, okay, and uh, I suppose that's maybe to avoid that gullibility, uh, the it problem is that we need to be careful about being blind to their faults. We need to look at them, consider their faults, and I think this is where the Christian worldview is helpful. All men are sinners. And so we, we recognize that and, and we, we know we cannot follow a human being ultimately. We, we can only follow Jesus. That, that to me I think is a helpful uh, way to look at your life. The other thing he noted about those who join these cults often have some problems in their lives. And they see in these cults 
people that will help them with their problems. And I think it says something to all of us as Christians that we also need to be, be uh, you know, we see somebody, maybe they do have a lot of problems. Uh, what's, a, what's one of our temptations? I know I, know I have a temptation. Uh, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to get in that, you know, that, that's going to be, you know, time consuming, uh, you know, and we're, so you, you, you brush people off like this, they may end up, you know, in, in a cult where people do give them the time of day. So I think that's something also for us to think about. These are the things that, that cause people to join these types of uh, uh, religions. All right, I'm going to stop there too. Any other thoughts about that? John? About that. They missed one of the big religions and everything. It's a work righteous religion. They've done a lot of good and they're very old, and that's the Masons and the Strangers. They believe they got to work their way into heaven. Uh, John mentions the whole uh, Masonic, <laughs> Masonic Lodge tradition, Masons. Uh, yes, uh, they have. Uh, uh, they have a doc they have doctrine, they have religion, and their religion, you're right, they, their religion is absolute without any question, uh, works righteousness. And um, anybody can be saved, doesn't matter what your religion is in their minds, what your view of God may be, as long as you live a, a good life. Um, that's a good example tying into my sermon this Sunday they do promote what we would call the good life. And in some ways, they achieve it in some ways. But they'll never re realize the good life that God wants by doing it the way they, they, uh, they do do it. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I'm wondering where they're at these days. I'm hearing that they are really struggling uh, with their membership as people aren't really interested in getting in really deeply involved in, in groups and things like that. So, but that is, you do mention that other one, that, that, that could have been listed here as well. Um, anybody else? Any other thoughts? Oh, Frank, yes. So, uh, I mean, any society can have these kinds of temptations going into cults, but we have two things <coughs> that a lot of other nations aren't dealing with. Uh, Darwinian evolution being one, you don't really look back at what the truth is, you look forward to what the truth is, because the past is obviously the evolved form, you want the evolved form of it. But then we also have pragmatism, mm -hmm. and that's something that we really gravitate towards. So if you have a, uh, a religion that you see people who are very successful in it, you yeah. look at that and say, oh, that's going to work, just like how if you have celebrities endorsing a Pepsi product or something. Oh, you associate that with famous success. Right. So I think that might be the two things that are we in the West have been towards. Why? Yeah, because he asks the question, you're right, he asks the question initially, why in America? Why in the West? Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think you got a point there. Yeah, Darwinian evolution just sort of wipes away uh, all foundations, which then means, well, we can plant whatever we want here now. Uh, yeah, and then, then the pragmatism idea too, which was a big American theme. Uh, we, can, we can be whatever we want to be, do whatever we want to do. Uh, therefore, we, we invent religions that uh, will assist us in that, uh, in that approach to life. All right, well, let me stop here then, and we'll uh, 
finish up. We're, we have one more session next week where we'll try to wrap the whole thing up with this uh, world religions. I am finishing up notes. If you look at the website, I have kept notes on all these different religions. Don't look at these notes as being the exhaustive uh, things about these religions. They're not that at all. But I do think they serve a purpose in that they do provide a kind of Lutheran perspective on these different world religions, and I think that would be helpful. Of course, there would be many other resources you would want to go to in order to understand any one of these religions uh, in more detail. And so I'll be finishing up the notes. We have one more class next week where we'll kind of summarize everything. Let's, I'll close with our prayer. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for your patience and for your truth. Thank you for the Bible and the way it is uh, deeply rooted in reality, history, archaeology, uh, logic, truth, and, uh, and then even beyond that as it uh, connects us to eternity and to, uh, to you. Uh, bless us to uh, stay steadfast in your word and uh, use us as your ambassadors, promoters, evangelists uh, to show the world uh, the truth that you have given and the salvation you have also given. In Jesus' name, amen.